Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. Ephesians chapter 4, over in the New Testament is where we're going to be, continuing on in our series and looking at these giftings. Uh, some call five-fold ministry. There are different names for it, but it's clear from the Scripture that Jesus, when He ascended back into heaven, He gave the gifts. He gave the church gifts. And He lists five things here. Now, there are other gifts listed in other places, and so this is not an exhaustive list, but this is something very specific that Jesus gave to the church. And I believe when we understand it and see it in operation and really appreciate it, embrace it, we see the church being the body of Christ the way Jesus intended for it to be. We have talked about already... Um, three of the gifts that are listed there. Uh, We've talked about being an apostle. Apostles are those who, literally the word means a sent out one, one who goes out. They are ones who, they are entrepreneurial. They love starting new things. They're very structurally minded. Um, They're not necessarily worried about or focused on primarily building up the old, but seeing God do something new. And, And they're wired that way. How many of you, just after these first few weeks, say you see some of an apostle in you? Maybe not completely, but you see yourself as an apostle, some of it. Quite a few of you, all right? Some of you don't want to admit it because you're afraid I'll make you go do something, but that's not what I'm doing, all right? Prophets are very sensitive to hearing the voice of the Lord, what God is saying, how He's speaking, how He's moving. It is most important for them, and there is this burning passion to be able to communicate it, to hear, to have others hear, to be able to communicate what God is saying. Um, there is, uh, for prophets, they have, I would like to say often, even a much more intuitive sense of how God is speaking and moving in a moment. And because of that, um, they often have a, a way to communicate to the body that encourages and builds up and says, okay, I see what God's saying, what may have been in the written word here. I see how God's bringing clarity and different things to that. Prophets are wired in that way. And a number of you have signed up and said, hey, I think I have some of those prophetic tendencies. How many of you think you have some of those prophetic tendencies? All right, number of you. All right, good. The body needs that. Last time we talked, two weeks ago, about evangelists. Evangelists they're kind of a mixture of the going out and the staying in. They care about the body. They, care. they want to see new people saved, come to Christ, come into relationship, and be attached to a healthy body, to walk with a healthy body. So they care about the body, but their focus is how do we reach those who are not being reached? How do we go to those who, who haven't heard? How do we take and tell the story of Jesus in a way that will resonate and connect with those who need to receive it. All right, and, and evangelists are very much wired this way. How many of you believe that you have that some of that characteristics of the evangelist? You see that, all right? Quite a few of you. Today we're going to talk about shepherds. Some would say pastors. In this passage, um, we the ESV does it shepherd. Some of your translations may say pastor. Uh, it's okay, but this is really one of the few places where this particular Greek word is translated pastor. So if you have that in your Bible, understand that most of the time this Greek word is not translated pastor, it is translated shepherd. One who oversees, one who watches out for and cares for. We're going to talk about the shepherd. Now, some people 
some Bible teachers that I greatly admire and have great respect for say that really what we're about to look at, the pastor, shepherd, teacher go together. As a matter of fact, you may come from a church background where they actually hyphenated and they call it pastor, teacher or shepherd, teacher and put them together. The reason they believe that it's the same gift is because if you'll look in your in your Bibles, it says that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, these shepherds and teachers. There's no definite article between before teachers like you have in all the others. You have a definite article in the original language. And so they said they're apostles, they're prophets, they're evangelists. And then these shepherds and teachers, because there's only one definite article, you combine these two together, they're the same gift. Maybe with little distinctions, but they're the same gift. I, though I greatly respect people who, who have that opinion, I don't share it. Uh, I believe they are two separate gifts. And now I'm going to preach today based on that belief that they are two separate gifts. One of the reasons I believe that is if you go, if you just take the grammatical structure, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul is writing to them and he says within the church, there, there are some apostles and prophets. Same grammatical structure as we have here as these shepherds and teachers. Same exact Greek grammatical structure. But we know that apostles and prophets are two different gifts. We see that in other places. It's the same structure. So I don't know that because there's not a definite article before teacher, that necessarily means that these two are lumped together as one gift. Those who believe they are lumped together would also say that a pastor, that means if you're a pastor, you must also be a teacher. But I believe within the body, you see clearly some have the gift of shepherding, but not necessarily teaching. Some can teach, but they don't shepherd very well. That's not necessarily their gifting. And so there are some, in my mind, some clear distinctions. So I'm going to teach this as two separate gifts, realizing there are those that I greatly admire who disagree with that. Let's talk about shepherds. I like talking about shepherds. This is my gifting. This is where I have the strongest gifting is in the area of shepherd. I do teach. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons I think these are two separate things. I do teach. I don't mind teaching, but it doesn't motivate me. I'm not inspired by teaching. As we would say in Mississippi, it doesn't crank my tractor, okay? And some of you are like, what? One of the things I love about where I grew up is we have some colorful ways to express ourselves. It doesn't crank my tractor. It doesn't get me excited. It doesn't motivate me. I teach from a pastoral perspective, not from a teacher's perspective. All right? So you can do any of these gifts, but often you have a primary drive, motivation, burn fire within you. And you can demonstrate some of these other gifts. I think we should be growing in all of them. Jesus did them all. Jesus was our good shepherd. He laid down his life for the sheep. I believe you'll see this over in Luke chapter 4. And we can talk about that more here in just a minute. What does a shepherd? What does a shepherd look like? If God's gifted you, if He's equipped you in that way, what do shepherds care about? How do they function? Shepherds. God uses shepherds in the body to bring about healing from hurt, and pain, and wounds, and to create an atmosphere where restoration, where wholeness, can take place. That is a primary concern of a shepherd is how do you bring from woundedness and brokenness? How do you see God bring about wholeness? How do you do that? And so often you will see at times those who have a shepherding bent 
also may tend to lean toward counseling or being counselors because this is a part of that. There's a desire. Not always. I'm not necessarily a counselor, but I have this bent. But I've seen others who do have this bent and they kind of tend to move in those directions, even for vocations. But how do you bring about wholeness? Now, here's the thing about a shepherd. They want to bring about wholeness, but they want to do it through the dynamic of community. Here's something that motivates a shepherd. Certainly motivates me and as I talk to others. Is this belief that most of our hurt and dysfunction comes through as a result of family and community. Now, we may not like that, but it's true. If you will look in your own life, most of your hurt and dysfunction comes often, not always, but often through family and community outside your family. Through relationship. Now, here's the amazing thing that God does. And this is what motivates a shepherd. This is what cranks his tractor. All right. Is that God has designed a new family and a new community to bring about wholeness in that which was broken. And so when we talk about that now, you say, wait a second, does that mean I just discard my old family because I have, I have a new family? No, the new family can actually be the family you were born into, but they have a new master, they have a new savior, they have a new way of thinking, a new worldview. And so there's health and life that's brought into that, as well as community. We call that community church. This newness of life, his life flowing through people, bringing about wholeness. How many of you, have experienced in community here Jesus' love being expressed to you through an individual. How many have experienced that? Good. I'm glad. The reason that the Lord wants you to experience that is because that's His design. And shepherds get that. Jesus was that way. He wanted to bring us into community so that we can experience this healing, this wholeness that takes place. The same way that we were broken, we were born sinful. But these, these relational, this relational brokenness that happens in our life often happens through family relationships and wider community relationships. He wants to give us a new experience in those things. A new family, if you will. So, here's good news for you. If your family doesn't have a kingdom view, if they don't seek the Lord, if they don't think the way He thinks or care what He thinks, you can still have wholeness. You can still have life. You can experience it abundantly. Why? Because he's given a new family. He's the head of this family. He's made you and me children of God and his brothers and sisters. He's the firstborn of many brethren. I want to tell you something. Sometimes in our life, we will find this new family the place of health more so than the family that we were born into. I'm not being disparaging of our birth families. We are to love our families. This is not a message of, okay, communicate to all your family now that you're not going to talk to them anymore because you got a new one, all right? That is not the point of this message, all right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that if your family is dysfunctional, which, if your family is dysfunctional, would you raise your hand, all right? That's all of us. Some have families that are more dysfunctional than others. Some are more broken than others. 
And if you're wondering, I wonder if my family's broken, just wait, the holidays are coming. It reveals. <laughs> if your family's broken, it will show up. All right? They're coming. But God wants to do a work, not only in our birth family, but in our new birth family. Not only in the community that we've grown up in or known all our life, but in this new community, this thing he calls the church. Shepherds are very, very concerned about that. They also are very, very concerned about creating a realistic picture of what community, real community looks like with a balance of joy and pain. I want you to get this. They want to create a realistic picture with a balance of joy and pain. If you have the idea that biblical community is a utopia, you've already been disappointed. I promise you. As in fact, many of you have had experiences in church, in churches, with other believers, which have revealed to you that this is not a utopia here. That it isn't perfect. That there is joy and pain that is mixed together. By the way, when the Apostle Paul in Philippians is praying, he said, I want to know some things. He said, I want, first of all, he said, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him intimately. I, I, want, to, I want to know him more than I've ever known anyone or anything. But he says, I also want to know the power of his resurrection. How many of you want the power of his resurrection? You want to know it. You want to experience the power of his resurrection. I got good news for you. The next statement tells you how. By the fellowship of his suffering. I want the power of his resurrection, but I don't want the fellowship of his suffering. I, I'm sorry to tell you, you don't get one without the other. Joy and pain. They come together in our life. And we often are looking, it's like, oh, this is painful. This is hard. This is difficult. I don't like this. I'm going to go over and I'm going to find a better place where I don't have this joy and pain. Let me tell you, if you go find another place that still has people in it, you will have joy and pain. And if you're the only one there, you're still going to have joy and pain. Shepherds somehow innately understand this. They're wired this way. It resonates with them. And so they're always trying to create a realistic picture. So you don't think that it's perfect. It will be one day. It will one day be perfect. We will see him as he is. We'll be just like him. He will rule and there will be no other rule but his. Right now it's not perfect. There's joy and pain. There's gladness and sorrow. And they mix together. Shepherds understand that in order to really get biblical community, you have to have an adequate view of suffering. And most of the time, we have an inadequate view of suffering. Now, along with this picture that they want us to have, a shepherd seeks to establish rhythms of life where you can experience renewal, refreshment, restoration. Where you can be spiritually restored and renewed, where you can be emotionally restored and renewed, where you can be physically renewed, uh, restored, renewed. They, they want to create an atmosphere where that can happen. And so it's very, very important to them. Things, things that to you may seem unimportant, to them seem very important, not because they're focusing on the things themselves, because there's a belief and, and a realization that, well, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. I have... Two of my three children, I will not name any of them, but two of my three children 
who really don't mind if their room looks like Hurricane Dorian went through it, okay? It really doesn't seem to bother them a whole lot. Bothers me, doesn't seem to bother them, all right? And so, but even in their lives, I have noticed through the years when either their mother or I or both of us, we come in and say, hey, we need to do something about this pigsty. Um, and, and they'll look and say, what pigsty? This one that I'm standing in, all right? Um, we need to do something about it. And so we go through and you, you put things away. You throw, you know, a 55-gallon plastic bag of trash away out of the room. And, you know, and you, all these things that you do and you put and you dust it and you clean it and you put things in order and you fresh and you do all this stuff. And whether they will acknowledge it or not, they much prefer to be in that room after it's done. It creates a place of rest, a place of peace. Shepherds, again, innately are wired this way. They want to create a place where you can encounter the Lord, where there can be a sense of rest, where there can be a sense of peace. It's interesting, and I really do appreciate this, some of the men, understanding that I am wired this way, it's not just because I'm anal, all right? I may be a little of that too, but it's not just because I'm that way. I love order. I love beauty. I love neatness. I, I, to me, it creates an atmosphere where you can just be at rest and at peace. And you can. And there's not obstruction to encountering the Lord. Now, can you encounter Him in other places? Absolutely you can. I think this just helps create that. So I, I come up here yesterday morning for prayer, and I drive around it, and I look. Some of you probably did not even notice this morning, but I did. Around the air conditioners on either side, there were weeds that had been growing, and it, it looked bad, all right? And the guys took care of all the weeds, moved them all, put down river rock. I think they put down stuff underneath the rock, too, so weeds won't come back up. They probably sprayed it with, you know, 40 gallons of chemical, but that's okay. I don't mind. You know, it's like we get rid of the weeds, get rid of those things. It's just air conditioners anyway, all right? And so, and it, it's, it's neat, it's clean, it's orderly. When you come onto the property, you look and you say, it's peaceful, it's restful. You come in, it's restful. Shepherds care about atmosphere, about creating a place where you can encounter the Lord without encumbrance, without something being in the way. Now, if you begin to understand this about people, you begin to recognize, because are we elevating those things to the same level as spiritual matters? No. But do they impact sometimes our spiritual walk? Absolutely. Do they impact us emotionally? They can. Can they impact us physically? Absolutely. I've been afraid at times going to my kids' room, I was going to catch a disease in there. All right? It can, infect, it can impact you physically. Not all my children. One of my children would hear me say that and say, I'm not that. And so I, that's right. Not all my children are that way. It's important to recognize this. They want to create. It's not just in your outward surroundings. It's in a worship service. It's in testifying. It's in sharing. Having, creating an atmosphere. For this reason, those who have a, that pastoring shepherding gift, I believe, and it's been my experience and the ones I've talked to, they are constantly on a battle to fight against boredom. I personally think it's a sin to bore people with the Word of God. I really do. But sometimes we do it because we don't take enough account and interest and desire to say, what could I do to be able to present this in a different way? To, to, to create an atmosphere where you could better receive what God wants to give to you. Because we take it seriously. 
So I think about that when we come into a service. I think about the worship. I think about when we pray. I think about when we testify. I think about the preaching. I think about all these different things as they fit together. How can you come in here today and encounter the living God and be changed because of it? And what can we remove so nothing gets in the way of you encountering Him? Shepherds care about these kind of things. Wherever you happen to find them. There's also, they remind us that if we want to live missional, fruitful, sustainable lives, lives, you have to stay plugged into the vine. You've got to stay attached to the vine. There's a danger for those of us who are shepherds. Because of the way we're wired, we can come very inward-minded. Forget about all that out there. The real focus is in here. Taking care of you, making sure you're growing, making sure you're connected, making sure that you're encountering Jesus in a real, living, practical way. It's a danger. Be aware of it if you think you have the shepherding bent. Jesus wasn't one or the other. It isn't, you know, ministering within the church or ministering outside of the four walls. It was both and. So be careful of that. But there is this understanding that if I'm not connected to the vine, I won't be fruitful anywhere in my life. In here, out there, doesn't matter. That fruitfulness is a result of life that comes from being connected. There is also this desire for reconciliation. They want to see people reconciled. Not just to God initially in salvation, but in our relationships reconciled. Conflict is natural. An unwillingness to address conflict is sinful. I want to say that again. It's a strong statement. I know it. I said it on purpose. Conflict is natural. An unwillingness to address that conflict is sinful. Now, I didn't say an unwillingness to resolve it, because sometimes resolution is beyond your power. As much as it lies with you and me, live at peace with all men. Sometimes you go as far as you can go, as far as the Lord will allow, as far as the other party will allow. So I'm not saying you can resolve every conflict, but not caring to resolve it. Not desiring to resolve it is an indication of something that's broken, that's wrong between us and the Lord. That's what He does. That's what Jesus does. He wants to make us ministers of reconciliation. To be peacemakers, as it talks about in the Beatitudes. Shepherds are wired this way. It's very, very important to them. Sometimes, again, Misuse of this can overlook some things because all it really matters is peace. <laughs> We've had this in our family, especially with Katie will let me know because she's the oldest. And then Elizabeth is six years younger than she is. She'll come along and she'll go, you never let me do that. You never gave me that. You never. And then, of course, Elizabeth, her theory is I love her more. That's why. All right. I'm, I'm, her, I'm her favorite. She's my favorite. That's what she thinks. That is not true. I do not have favorites. I'm going on record. I do not have any favorites. All right. But here's the deal. Part of my desire, and I recognize this, and I think this is part of Shepherds. I want peace. 
So what if she took something that belonged to you? She's got some of my stuff too. It doesn't matter. I just want peace. I don't care about justice. I just want peace. Now some of you, I mean, you, you're... I want justice. That's not right. You're, I mean, you're shaking in your seat right now. I know. I don't care. I just want some peace. These are the differences. By the way, we need justice. And we need, we need prophets. We need those who will declare that this is right and this is wrong. We do need that. We also need shepherds. Sometimes it's not worth fighting over. I had a, a wise man tell me years ago, I was making a big deal out of a molehill. And he looked at me and he said, Troy, you're going to learn every mountain's not worth dying on. At 20, every mountain's worth dying on. In your 50s, not so much. Not so much. Shepherds want peace, though. They want reconciliation. And finally, I was reading through a book I told you about by J.R. Woodward, Woodward. And he was talking about something, and I took a part of what he said, and then I changed it. So part of it's his quote, and part of it's my changing it. So I don't know if, I, I don't know if there's a copyright issue there or not. But anyway... Um, so I'm giving him credit for the part that he wrote. And then I added some stuff to it. Here's our combined statement. Human brokenness is not a fatal condition of which we have become sad victims, but an incredible platform to display the power, grace, and love of God. I'm going to say that again. Human brokenness is not a fatal condition in which we have become sad victims. We are not victims. And brokenness is not fatal. It is rather a platform to demonstrate the power and grace and love of God. That, my friends, is the heart of the shepherd. Maybe God's wired you that way. I want you to see this. Do we have that picture, Liz? Is there a picture on there? Can you see this this week? And remember that story out of Dallas? That young man who's 18 years old, his brother was killed by the woman that he's hugging. An off-duty police officer who went into the wrong apartment thought he was an intruder in her apartment shot and killed him. I remember watching the video of this. As he turns to the... First of all, he makes the statement that he wants the best for her. He knows that his brother would want the best for her, and the best for her would be to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior and to walk with him. He said, I don't want you to rot in hell. I want you to receive Jesus and know him. He said, I forgive you. He said, I can speak for no one else, but I forgive you. And then he turns to the judge and says, can, can I hug her? There's a silence that you can tell there's an uncomfortable silence. I can't see the judge's face on the video, but I can see the sheriff's deputy who's standing there, and I can see his face, and he's thinking, no, 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 no. Right? Richie understands that. I mean, we don't, you are not going to put these two people, you don't know what he's going to do. You don't, know how the, you don't know how any of this is going to turn out. They've got a job to protect here. So I, you can feel the tension in all of this. And then the judge obviously gave him permission because the next thing you know, you see him walking across, and you see them embrace, and speaks, share some things you can't hear. Later, the judge came over and hugged her, gave her a Bible. When I saw that, I thought, oh, she's going to get in trouble. 
And I think she has. Um, Human brokenness is not a fatal condition of which we are sad victims. It is a platform to demonstrate the power and grace and love of God. That is a shepherd's heart. It's the reason God put them in the body. All the gifts needed. All of them required. Here's the thing. I may be wired that way. That I believe God gave me that gifting. He's given that to some of you. But even if He didn't give that to you, He wants us to grow in it. Just like He wants me to grow in prophecy and He wants me to grow in teaching and He wants me to grow and being an apostle. He wants me to grow in these things. And I, by His grace, I am growing in those things. But if you're wired some other way, He wants you to grow as a shepherd as well. I want you to bow your heads with me. I'm going to ask the team to come back. I want you just to ask the Lord this morning. Hopefully you've been asking all along, but it's like, Lord, how have you gifted me? How do I fit into the body? shepherd? Has God wired you that way? Can I tell you, in my early ministry, I didn't want to be a shepherd. I'm really a prophet. I'm an apostle. Really, what I wanted to be was a CEO. That's what I want to be. I want to lead people. I just don't want to get close to them. I don't really want to have to know them, and I certainly don't want them to know me. the last 20 some odd years the Lord has been so faithful to to transform, to change that mindset, to reveal I made you a shepherd I didn't make a mistake it's like Lord why? I'm the last person who should be a shepherd I'm not I'm not naturally good at the shepherd thing And he reminds me, I never wanted you to be good at it. I'm good at it. I'm the good shepherd. I just want you to be willing. Let me work in you and through you. What about you today? Are you willing for him to work in you and through you? Whatever it looks like. Whatever gifting he's given you. Whether you're apostle or prophet. Evangelist or shepherd. Next week we'll talk about teachers. I want to speak to 
anyone here today too who's like, I'm not sure I'm even part of the family. I'm not sure I even have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know something about our good shepherd. He leaves 99 sheep to go find one. That's the reason you got to be balanced in this thing. Because he cares about the one out there lost as much as he cares about the 99 right here. Maybe you're that one today. You're the one out there. And the shepherd is coming and saying, I died for you. I love you. I want you. All your brokenness, all your pain, all your mess ups, I want you. I died for all of that. My challenge to you today, believe and receive. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God who gave His life, a perfect, sinless life on a cross to die for your sin and for my sin, to take the punishment, the wrath of that, so that you and I could be restored. We could be reconciled to God the Father, be in relationship with Him now, and live with Him for eternity. He did that. You say, well, that sounds too good to be true. That's grace. It sounds too good to be true. How do you receive it? By faith. I believe it. I believe and I receive by faith that you did that, Jesus. You gave all for me. Now I surrender to you. By the way, if you're saved today, that process never stops. We keep living that way every day of our Christian life. Lord, I surrender. I come to you by faith. I walk with you by faith. Jesus, help us. Help us. Whatever your gifting is, as we go through this, as we go through these step by step, Just surrender to your good shepherd. Say, I want to be filled and used by you in the way that you've made me, in the way that you've gifted me. Just ask him to do that in you, for you. Lord Jesus, today, would you make it clear, make it plain to each one here And Lord, if we're struggling and we don't know exactly, would you make that clear? Would you settle us in that? And Lord, it may take some time before we even fully understand how you've made us and how you've gifted us. That's okay. That doesn't stop me from serving and and following you now. So Lord, help us. Help us be your body. Help us be a place of reconciliation. Help us be a place where there is healing and wholeness. Lord, of an atmosphere where we can encounter you, the living God. Lord, help us. Help us be a place, too, where we never lose sight of the one who is lost. That we're not just comfortable with the 99 that are found, but we have a heart for the one who is lost. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. We commit all these things to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.